As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. Tomorrow night is New Year's Eve. What are you going to do on New Year's? Do you get together with your family and your friends? You know, Denise, when we were kids, New Year's Eve was a moment when we all got together with our friends. But you know what? My family was kind of a party family. Our families were very different. Your parents were older. But in our house, we used every moment to get together with somebody. And we loved to get together at somebody's house on New Year's Eve. Wow, it was so much fun as we all waited for the new year to come in. It wasn't that way for us. We just went to bed. We didn't even stay up until 12. But the next day we had black-eyed peas and ham. Well, we didn't do that. But we always had fun. And now we live in Russia. You know, can you imagine we have lived in this part of the world 30 years. And New Year's is the big event. We've already told you that in the Soviet Union there was no Christmas. Isn't that amazing? There was no Christmas because it was an illegal holiday because they did not believe in God. Communism was atheistic, so there was no Christmas. So all the Christmas festivities moved to the New Year, and the New Year became like a substitution for Christmas. There was a New Year's tree. There was New Year's fireworks. There were New Year's gifts. Everything that you have on Christmas the communists moved to New Year's. So right now, all over our part of the world right here that we love so much, people have New Year's trees. They have New Year's lights, New Year's gifts. And on tomorrow night at midnight, it's going to look like the sky has gone nuts around here because the fireworks, it is more than the 4th of July. I am not kidding you. It looks the sky is just gone berserk with massive fireworks as far as the eye can see for hours and hours on New Year's. Is that the truth? Oh, it's so much fun because you we can run from one side of our house and watch fireworks back there. Then we then Rick will say, Denise, come up here, come up here. And I'll go to the other side of our house and watch fireworks out there. And then go upstairs, go upstairs. And then look out that window. It, they're just completely surround us. Or how about the big uh, fireworks? A couple years ago when Joel had all of us over to his apartment. Oh, that was so fun. And Soviet apartments, Russian apartments, it's like they're just caverns and caverns and caverns of apartments. So we're there, all the renters are there, yes. and all the little renters. Yes. And when the fireworks start, uh, it's like they're ricocheting off of those cavernous apartments. And the kids went crazy. Oh, it was so much fun. They were screaming and screaming and laughing and laughing. And we were following them as they were screaming and laughing. Remember that, Joe? Yeah, and back then I didn't live in a, I lived on the outskirts of Moscow. And that area of Moscow was not very big. This year I'll be in downtown Moscow. And I'm just looking forward to it because all the apartment buildings do their own fireworks. Yeah. And so you have all these apartment buildings, thousands and thousands of apartment buildings. Uh, and everyone in their own apartment buildings, everyone who wants to gets their own fireworks and goes, lights them in their little, little, little park area between the homes. And it's just a blast. It is. You know, but every New Year's, usually people get together with their friends or family and they have the table laid out and they eat for 
I don't know, probably from nine o'clock till midnight till two in the morning. We're all night. Yeah, We're and, all and they night. just eat and eat yeah. and fellowship and watch New Year's programming. And of course, usually there's a Christmas, there's a New Year's tree in the background. Now it's a Christmas tree. And at midnight, everybody listens to President Putin. At midnight, everyone who wants to turns down the TV and watches President Putin or the president speak. It's sort of becoming a tradition. It has become a tradition. And it's just wonderful. And then after New Year's, everyone goes out and they, they wait for the Kremlin clock to hit 12. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And you go outside after the clock hit 12, after the president's made his speech, and you go and walk. You just go walk and watch people light their fireworks or you light your own. And then you come back after being so cold and then you have like tea or something and then you eat some more. And around five in the morning, usually people start going to bed. Okay. But if you want to go to bed at your normal hour, forget it because all the fireworks will wake you up. It's just worth it. <laughs> One year, my older sister was here at New Year's and our neighbor did his fireworks. Well, when I tell you people go crazy with fireworks, I am not kidding. Now, we used to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What our neighbor did was more than the city of Tulsa did to celebrate July 14th. Now, you just imagine a whole city coming together on July 4th for a big celebration of July 4th. Our neighbor did something bigger than that, and it was just our neighbor's yard. And my sister started yelling, oh, my gosh, my gosh, my gosh. Santa Claus is in the backyard. It's not Santa Claus, it's Father Frost. He was all decorated like Father Frost, and it looked like he was sending missiles into the air. They were so <laughs> huge. Oh, we had a blast. Maxime, how about you? What did you do when you were growing up? Of course, it was the biggest celebration of the year. We waited and waited, and there was total deficit of everything, if you remember. Oh, there was a deficit of everything. You couldn't buy sausage. You couldn't buy meat. You couldn't buy oranges, but we all tried to buy or to find this deficit products and on this New Year Eve, we had everything. Oranges, all kinds of meats, sausages. Mandarins. Mandarins were Mandarins a big thing. Mandarins yes. are the big thing. Uh, so we waited for this day. And on TV, the best artists, the best singers, they, they reserved everything for this most special night. Even today on New Year's, the TV programs are such a blast. They're the best. It, it is like vaudeville on television for everybody Russian speaking. I just love it. It's a really big deal where we live. What are you going to do tomorrow night? I would love to know. Would you go online and just comment? Hey, but we need to get back to our subject because this week we're talking about starting the new year strong and the new year is tomorrow night at midnight. And we've already seen that you need to begin by remembering what God has told you to do. We saw last night that you need to review how you're doing with your vision. Tonight, we're going to see the next point, but I want you to have the download. It's called Starting the New Year Strong. It's five parts. It is free. Please go to renner.org right now. You can download this. Just download it. You'll have it immediately. Thousands of people do it because it is a blessing to them. And you can also order the whole series called Starting the New Year Strong. And we're offering you right now my book called 10 guidelines to help you achieve your long-awaited promotion. What do you want God to do for you in the next year? What kind of promotion? What kind of increase in salary? What is it you're believing for? Here's 10 guidelines to help you achieve your long-awaited promotion. But tonight, we're going to see the next thing we need to do. Okay, you guys ready? Ready. 
All right, so Monday night here in Home Group, we talked about remembering. Everybody say remember. Remembering. Remember. That you need to remember your vision. Last night we saw you need to make a review. review. And let me say something about review. A vision needs to be measurable. If you say, God has called me to reach the world, you can't measure that. God is, God's better than that. God gives you concrete perimeters. It's like when God spoke to the children of Israel and said, I'm going to give you the land of promise. He said, I'm going to give you this land. It's from here to here and here to here. It was measurable. And when God gives you a vision, it's something you can work with. It's something that you can measure. And you need to make a review to see how you're doing at walking out God's instructions to you. And I told you that once a year I go away with my team and we make a review and the review can be pretty brutal because we're very, very honest. Well, what is the review? Well, for us, we look at a bunch of numbers. We look at reality. We look at what did we feel we were supposed to do last year. Then we look at all the numbers to see how did we do. Did we do it? Did we not do it? And the whole first part of our time together is looking at numbers. We're looking at facts. Facts are very, very important. Listen to this. You need to stay informed of the facts and be honest with yourself. Proverbs 24, 3-4, the New Living Bible says, Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. You need to stay on top of the facts. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. That means know the numbers. How many are in your flock? How many are in the herd? Are they multiplying? Are they decreasing? You don't know if you don't have information. And when you make a review, you need to have facts that you can look at. Now, what we're talking about I'm telling you that you need to do this week and you need to do every year to get ready for the new year. But the truth is we live this way. We live with our vision. We talk about our vision all the time. We even say our vision out loud to each other every single week. Then we look at numbers to see how we're doing. I'm living in numbers. Do you know before church is over on Sunday, I already know how many people have been in church. I know to the person, not because I'm a maniac about numbers, but because I have a responsibility from God to review our progress. Are we making progress? Are we losing territory? Where are we in terms of doing what we believe God has told us to do? Now, I've lost a lot of weight in the past four or five years. And you know what? I got on the scales every day. You know why? To review. Am I really staying on track with what God has told me to do? In fact, I didn't get on the scales once a day. I got on the scales every time I went into the bathroom because I wanted to see at what point of the day I was heavier. What do I eat that makes me heavier? What can I do that I'd be lighter? I wanted to really learn, so I tried to stay abreast of the facts. And scales don't lie. The numbers don't lie if you're honest with your numbers. Now, you can make your numbers say whatever you want. That won't help you. You have to be brutally honest as you make your review. But tonight, we're going to talk about the next thing you have to do, and that is 
make a report, and be honest. Now, what does that mean? Well, for us, after we sit around on our team meetings and we make a review of the facts, we look at all these numbers, which takes hours, you know, to really review what you're doing, to analyze what you're doing, and to do it correctly, and to do it honestly, it takes time. And by the way, for us to make a review, it takes us weeks to put the numbers together. For that big meeting, we take weeks, maybe we take even a full month to get it all together. And when we bring it together, it's all on paper. And once we're finished, then guess what we do? We go around the room, there's five there plus me, and one by one, they make a report about how they have done in their department. When the numbers are in front of you and you've just made a review, a review in front of everybody, you can't lie. Now it's time to be really honest about yourself and your own progress or lack of progress. Either you've got something to rejoice about or you've got something you need to say you could have done better on. You need to make a report. And when you make a report, it's so very important because it confronts you with how you did or how you did not do. It just confronts you. I like to watch a TV program, and the TV program is about people that are extremely obese that are trying to lose weight. Denise and I watched that program together. They always end up making a report when they go to see the doctor and they get on the scales and you can see they are just sweating it out before they get on the scales because they're afraid. You know why they're afraid? Because they know what they did and they know what they didn't do. And when they step on the scales and the doctor's there and the nurse is there and their spouse is there and everybody else is there, a report is suddenly made to everybody in the room whether they've been lying to everybody or whether they really did what they said they were going to do. It is the moment of revelation. It is a brutal report. And when you look at the scales or you look at the numbers and they say you didn't do what you were supposed to do, well, you know what? Doesn't do any good to beat yourself, but it puts you in a position where you know what you need to do. Something's got to change. This is very, very important. Denise gave the illustration of losing 10 pounds. If you see you didn't do it, then that report tells you what you need to do different. If you had a goal to save money and you blew it all on something else, well, that report will tell you you have to do something different if you're going to attain your goal. Whatever it is, that report confronts you with what you need to do. Denise? Well, Rick, I'm, I'm thinking about the final report. I'm thinking about standing before Jesus and that there won't be any, any lying. There won't be any excuses. There won't be anything. The report will be very, very clear. That's what I'm thinking about. Joel? Well, Mom, I'm thinking more like next year or what I did this year. And I think looking back at what you did in the previous year is so very healthy. It really helps you plan for what you did, what you're going to do next year. And I think it's very, very important. You want to know what you accomplished. 
And, you know, we're not competing with other people. We're really competing against ourselves. Hmm. We want to develop ourselves, not so we can be better than other people. We want to be better ourselves for us. And I think that's very important. And so what I do personally is I write my goals for the next year after I've reviewed the, the current year that we're finishing. And throughout the year, this year, every month, every, the first of every month, I look to see where I'm at on each goal. You know, it's, it's so very interesting. Procrastination is a terrible thing. But a lot of people procrastinate till the last month of the year to finish all of their goals in one year, in and, one month. And then it's not doable. It's not doable. So I decided to look at it once a month, 12 times a year. It's not too much to ask. And just see where I'm doing and where I need to hurry and where I don't. One of my goals this year was to read 10 books in English and two books in Russian. And so every month I would look at what I've read. Did I read that book? Did I read that book? Am I going to do it? How many pages is the next book? Can I do that in a month? Or another goal I had was to read uh, Genesis through, through Job. And I got it done. And I saw how many days are left in the year. If I read two chapters a day, will I meet my goal? And it was so much fun. I'm talking about my personal goals. Joel, can I think of another goal of yours that you and I talked about yesterday? Joel writes postcards to our partners. I watch him do it. Well, that's a lot of postcards. So how many do you write a day? I write 10 a day. 10 a day. He sits down and he writes those postcards. And sometimes I'll even say, Joel, can you do that a little bit later? He'll say, no, I cannot. If I'm going to reach my goal, I have to do it first thing every morning. And he knew yesterday that he had to still write 123 postcards to finish the year. I was amazed that that just came right off the top of your head. That's a lot of postcards to write in, in the last few days of the year. But that means you're living with your numbers. Oh, yes. You knew immediately where you were on your progress. That really impressed me. Well, I think we say in Russian, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. But you don't eat the whole elephant in the last month of the year. You have to eat it one day at a time. That's how we live our lives. And I think putting out goals in front of you, reviewing them every month is not too much to ask. And I think you'll see you accomplish much more than if you procrastinate to the last month of the year to get it all done at once. That is really helpful, Joel. Maxine? Uh, like, I, like I said last time, uh, you know, like some people, they do not have uh, leader, leaders meetings. They're just not leaders. They're simple people. And uh, I think keeping a journal will help you. Just write the things down in your journal. If God tells you something, you see something needs to be done, uh, do it in your journal and then go back, read. That's what my journal helps me to do. And I think it's important that you find somebody to whom you can make a report. When you are honest with somebody, it confronts you. Denise and I kind of make a report to each other about how we're doing. I actually make a report at the end of the year where I make a list of every single thing I did in the year. Joel, I really do that, don't you I? Do. You do. I do too. Me and Otis sit down. And this is a little different though. But I write down all the wonderful things that I plan to do and things that happen by themselves. Well, I write down how many books I wrote. By the way, I don't think many people would have to write a list of how many books they wrote, but I write a lot of books. How many pages I wrote, how many TV programs I taught, how many home groups I did, how many push-ups I have done. I keep records of all of it because those numbers confront me with have I been productive with my life? And it's not just being busy. People can be busy but not be productive. 
I want to see, have I been productive? And then Denise and I talk to each other. We go over our list. Denise makes a list. I make a list. And we sit down. And I think that being accountable to somebody is really important. When you give your report to another human being and you share your numbers, it brings the harsh reality of what you've done or you haven't done to the forefront, and it cannot be denied. You have to see it and you have to acknowledge it. And at that point, you have to decide, okay, I can sweep this under the carpet and pretend like I did good when in fact I didn't and that won't change anything. Or you can decide to embrace the truth and say, I am just really sorry I didn't do better. Now I'm going to change. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. But I have to say one more thing. What if you make your review and then you report the facts honestly and you see that you just blew it? Like Joel said, you waited till the last month of the year. Now it's too late to do it. Now it's almost January 1st. There's no way you're going to be able to eat the whole elephant in two or three days. Well, in that case, what do you do? Well, you follow the advice of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.13, which says, forgetting the things that are behind. There are some things you can't fix. You've waited too late. You've just waited too late. Now, don't berate yourself. That doesn't help anything. Repent. And by the way, repent does not mean beat yourself, cry, feel bad. That's not profitable either. The word repent means make a decision. Just make a decision. All right, I did wrong. Now it's time for me to do right. And forget. The word forget is a Greek word that describes something that is obsolete. It's no longer relevant something that should be relevated to the past, it should be abandoned and left behind, is the equivalent to saying, you know what, that's yesterday and I can't do anything about it today. I'm not going to live in yesterday and beat myself up because of what I didn't do, but I'm going to just leave it behind me. It's obsolete anyway. I can't do anything about it. And instead I'm going to reach forth to the things which are in front of me. You've got to focus your eyes on what is in front of you. And you know when the Bible says on those things that are before you, do you know what the word before means? The things that are staring you in the face. It is right in front of you. It's amazing. The Greek means what is in front of you, the things that are before you, what is set before the face as opposed to what is behind your back. You could do nothing about what is behind you but you can deal with what is in front of you. By all means, repent for doing wrong and failing. Learn from your mistakes and then focus your eyes on what is in front of you. That's what you need to focus on. If that elephant is still in front of you, figure out how you're going to eat it Hmm. one bite at a time. Don't say, oh, I just did so bad. Just, Just get over that. You can't do anything about that. Ask the Lord to forgive you, especially if he gave you instruction and you did not follow it. Ask him to forgive you and he'll forgive you. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom on how you're going to eat that elephant. Denise? I just know you can't, uh, you can't live in the past and embrace the future at the same time. It's re- really either or. And the past is gone. It's gone. You can't do anything about it. But you have this beautiful future in the in front of you. Your heart is still beating inside of your chest. You still have breath 
to breathe in your lungs. So you have an opportunity to do something about your future. But when you make this report to one another, so number one, you remember what God's told you to do. Number two, you review the facts. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. And number three, after you've looked at the numbers and you know the truth, you need to verbalize it to somebody. It just brings you to a place of accountability. It also might give you a reason to rejoice. You might be able to say, hey, man, I said I was going to do this. Look at what I did. We achieved this victory. It is amazing. We really did what we said we were going to do. Or you might say, you know what? We were doing pretty good and then we got sidetracked along the way. Either way, verbalizing a report to somebody just brings it all out on the table, brings you to the reality of what you did or didn't do. And then if you figured that you blew it, repent, ask for forgiveness, leave it behind you. It's obsolete anyhow. And now figure out, like Joel said, how you're going to eat the elephant that is in front of you. And if you feel like you've got an elephant to eat, then you need to figure out a schedule by which you're going to eat it realistically. Just figure out how you're going to do it. For example, if you need to lose 100 pounds, don't say you're going to lose 100 pounds next month. No, you're not. That's not real. But begin to develop a plan to deal with what is in front of you. You can do it. Sure, you can do it. You can climb any mountain if you have a plan. And the Holy Spirit is brilliant. He's brilliant. He has the plan that will work for you. Maybe he'll use somebody else to help give you the plan that you need. You need to be willing to listen to others. And by the way, when you make your report, those that are listening may have some good godly advice for you to help you get back on track. Joel? I'm just thinking about people who are by themselves. They don't have a team to go to. Well, you need to find one. Because when, when you're all by yourself and you're on your own silo and really you aren't accountable to anybody else, it's so easy just to say, why do I even do this? No one's watching. Who cares? Well, I think it's very important that somebody does care. You need to find someone you can share with, someone you can trust, someone you can be accountable to. And I think that's very, very important. And like, like Dad said, you know, along the way, if you have a goal, you can find people who help you along the way to reach that goal and who you can be accountable to for that specific goal. You know, we've talked a lot about losing weight, but it's a good example. You know, maybe the accountable person you're supposed to report to is the trainer. You're supposed to tell him, I want to lose 100 pounds this year. The trainer will help you get there, and he'll tell you if you're reaching the goal, if you're going too fast, going too slow. We need to speed things up a little bit more, but he'll help you. And it'll be a great victory with that person. Just imagine you at the end of the year celebrating with your trainer that colossal goal to lose 100 pounds. I think you and that trainer would just be ecstatic to do that together. What a report. A wonderful report. Oh, but Joel, we're out of time. Denise, we're out of time. This has been good tonight. Oh, very good. I'm excited about tomorrow night. And what what we're going to see is perfect for tomorrow because... The clock will be striking 12 tomorrow night, the new year. And tomorrow night, we're going to talk about making revisions to start the new year. It's going to be perfect. Most people talk about New Year's resolutions. We're going to talk about revisions. It's going to be good. Go to bed. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. 
If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.